USA Today has released an updated college football top 25, and we have a few nits to pick with how our colleagues have ranked SEC teams. Auburn football finally landed a transfer quarterback, adding Peyton Thorne from Michigan State. We'll discuss what that means for Hugh Freeze in his first season on the Plains. Welcome into SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams. We have a lot to get into today, but we'll start with the top 25 put out by USA Today recently after spring practice came to a close. And surprise, surprise, John, Georgia, two-time defending national champions, number one atop uh, our USA Today post-spring practice top 25 poll. We'll get into some of the other teams here in a little bit, but first off, uh, any issues, any any reaction, surprise to Georgia topping yet another rankings? No, Georgia's the new Alabama. Look at all the talent Georgia has lost in the past two seasons. Just a, I mean, you could you could pull up uh, fill up an NFL depth chart with all that talent, tremendous talent, attrition, and yet here we are, uh, preseason favorite, and I can't argue with that. Because even during the championship season, you could see that some you could see such promise among some of those younger players, including defensively, and you saw it in the college football playoff. Uh, yeah, it, it's got an accommodating schedule, about as accommodating as you can get in the SEC. So I just see Georgia. I don't see how you could pick anybody else as your preseason favorite. We'll get more into the the SEC teams in this top 25 in a, in a moment. But a couple of weeks ago on the pod, John, we discussed eight teams that we thought could be a threat to Georgia, you know, three-peating as, as national champions. Many of our teams that we, we threw out on the podcast that day are appearing in this USA Today top 25 rankings list. And I should say this is not a coach's poll or, or anything. This is compiled by or conducted by two of our colleagues at USA Today, Paul Meyerberg and Eric Smith. This is this is their rankings, their opinions. They have Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Alabama number three, Penn State four, Florida State five, and Ohio State six. My biggest surprise with that list, John, is I, I would have, you know, that that six pack there, I'd have Ohio State higher. If, if, if I were tempted to rank someone other than Georgia and number one in the, in the top Meyer top 25, which exists only in my brain at this point, but <laughs> I, my, my debate between the number one spot would come down to two teams. I'd either go with Georgia or I'd go with Ohio state atop my top 25. I was surprised to see the Buckeyes all the way down there at number six. You know, if you look at some of the NFL mock drafts for 2024, Yes, I mean, mock drafts a year in advance, you have to take with a grain of salt, but Ohio State players are all over the first round uh, of those 2024 mock drafts for good reason. It's it's an Ohio State team that that is still well-stocked with, with talent. If you were tempted to go with someone other than Georgia atop the poll, John, would you go Michigan, like our, our friends there at, uh, at USA Today did? Would you go Alabama? Would you go Ohio State? What direction would you go if, you, if I said you can't put Georgia, pick somebody else atop your rankings? Probably would take Ohio State, although I can't argue a whole lot with Michigan. Michigan's won back-to-back games against Ohio State. And uh, 
It's done at Jim Harbaugh's way. It's the old school Jim Harbaugh now. He's back to power football, as much as you can call it power football in today's uh, high-flying offenses, amongst today's high-flying offenses, rather. So that, to me, is kind of a toss-up. I think Ohio State has more talent, but I kind of think Harbaugh's got got Ohio State's number right now, and I think that matters so much in rivalry games. Uh, when a, When a team goes into that game thinking, we've got the edge. We showed it last year. We showed it the year before that. We won that fourth quarter last year. However, I look back at Ohio State and the way it played Georgia. I mean, it so easily could have won that game and gone on and 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 won a national title. So uh, that's a toss up. But I can't see putting anybody else that any higher. And I can't see Penn State at number four. I just don't get that. Penn State just it's not Ohio State or Michigan. Well, you ragged on Penn State all last year, John. I was I was taken up for the Nittany Lions throughout most of the season. You were unimpressed, and I, I did feel vindicated in the end. I mean, they finished eleven and two. Their only losses were to Michigan and Ohio State. Now, I think, like you, I would not I would not have them ahead of Ohio State. Four feels a little bit lofty, but I think the larger point here is is three teams from the Big Ten East in the top six of these rankings. When you look at Michigan number two, Penn State number four, Ohio State number six, you think there's a claim that the Big Ten East could be the best division in college football this year? I mean, a lot of times the SEC West likes to plant its flag in, in that terrain. And, you know, of course, Alabama and, and LSU profile as top ten teams this year. Texas A&M has the promise of being much improved. You go on down the line, I and mean, I think the Mississippi schools will remain relevant. Arkansas, I, I think, will be a, a winning a winning season for Arkansas. You could say, and who knows what Auburn will will do. We'll get in, more into that later. But do you think the Big Ten East maybe in in this moment has surpassed the SEC West, or uh, are you going to take up for the SEC there? Well, you could certainly you could certainly say that based on preseason rankings. But still, I still am not sure Penn State's at that level. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan, yes. But I look in the in the SEC West, I look at LSU and Alabama. And I know Alabama's off its game a bit now, but I think LSU is close to being what Alabama was. And so, uh, see, I'd have LSU in the top four. I would have LSU ahead of, uh, ahead of Penn State, for example. And... Uh, so, yeah, I look at those two teams, and then in, in Texas A&M, we go over this every year. I mean, we think, okay, they could uh, the Aggies could be really good, but they don't usually quite get there. They did a couple of years ago, came close to making the playoffs. But A&M still has a lot of talent. So, and I don't completely – throw Ole Miss out of there because I think Lane Kiffin is a very good coach and I think he's very good offensively. And who else is able to get three starting quarterbacks, put them on his depth chart? I, I He's he's really good with transfers. So maybe Ole Miss could be the third team in the SEC West if it, if it shows the potential it did two years in the 21 season then I think it can hang with those top three in the Big Ten. 
Well, we mentioned we have no no issue with Georgia atop the poll, so let's get into some of the other SEC teams in these USA Today Top 25 rankings, and we'll play a little game of Goldilocks, uh, too high, too low, or or just right. We think Georgia is just right at, at number one, so let's move on to the next SEC team in these rankings, and that is number three, Alabama, behind number two, Michigan, you said you don't have a huge issue with with Michigan there. Neither do I. I. I would have Ohio State probably at number two, but I'm fine with Michigan in the top five, certainly. How do you feel about Alabama, number three? And, and it should be noted, these rankings came out after A-Day, after the spring game, where we saw you know Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson inconsistent in that spring game. Some highs, some lows. Milrow outplayed Simpson. Uh, but the final product was it wasn't enough for, for Nick Saban to stand pat, and he brought in Notre Dame's backup quarterback and Tyler Buckner to increase that competition to now five scholarship quarterbacks. There's a lot of talent elsewhere, we know. Um, we, we've discussed before. We don't know if uh, if Alabama maybe has the star receiver that it's had in, in some past years. Does it have the bell cow running back? But we know there's there's talent. We think the defense will be better. How do you feel about Alabama? Too high, too low, just right? Uh, definitely too high. Um, quarterback, you can't pick a team number three with Alabama's quarterback situation, regardless of how good you are elsewhere. And I also have questions about the receiving core. And as you mentioned, the possible lack of a bell cow running back. Maybe it will be a freshman and maybe it'll be running back committed by committee and be a really good running game. Still, I'm judging it by past Alabama teams, teams that won or or came close to winning national championships, and this team just doesn't measure up from this vantage point. Uh, maybe Jalen Milrow at quarterback will prove us wrong. I still think he will win the starting position over the Notre Dame transfer, but I just don't think you can have uncertainty at quarterback and be a top three team. So I think that's that's overrated. Maybe by three three spots if I were picking a top 25. Yeah, you would you would have Georgia ahead of them. I assume you would have Michigan, Ohio State ahead of them. You said mm-hmm. you'd have LSU up there mm-hmm. high. So you have maybe Alabama fifth or sixth range probably. Yeah, and there might be. I, I would probably have Florida State ahead of Alabama. I mean, we look at uh, early games, that Florida State-LSU game, it proved very important last season, but it's now even more important. And it's in Orlando where I think, I think it's in Orlando. It is. Yeah. Well, that would, you would, uh, you need to go to that game. I think I, I'm I got, I got my reservation book, my hotel reservation book. I haven't booked the flight yet. Waiting, waiting on the go ahead from the bean counters, John. Uh, okay. Well, we're, we're at least on the same page there. That's the marquee game. And, uh, LSU could be the best team Florida state plays all year. And vice versa, too. I mean, Florida State, to me, could be better than Alabama. There's that possibility. So uh, I like to, I like Florida State in the top five and, and maybe Alabama at six. All right, so we'll, we'll get to the, the next SEC team in a moment, but uh, proceeding on down in six through ten in this top 25. Ohio State's six. We've talked about them. We both think they should be higher. Notre Dame is seven, and with Notre Dame, you got to remember they added Wake Forest transfer. Sam Hartman had a great career at Wake Forest. He's won that starting job. That's why Tyler Buckner transferred from Notre Dame to Alabama. Clemson is eight. 
I think that's putting a lot of stock in the fact that new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley combined with Cade Klubnick, who we saw start the Orange Bowl and, and Clemson's uh, loss to Tennessee to close last season. I think that's putting a lot of stock in, in that Garrett Riley from TCU is going to uh, breathe life into Clemson's offense. Texas, boy, Texas sure gets a lot of preseason hype. Usually don't they? They're at number nine and, and Southern Cal at number 10. Before we get in, into the other SEC teams, and anybody, any big bones you have to pick with the the remainder of, of this top ten? Um, not really sold on Notre Dame, but I do like Sam Hartman. So uh, that I can't I can't argue vehemently about about any of those. Clemson uh, things could work out offensively for Clemson. It, it still could be pretty good. So I and in the Atlantic. Uh, the ACC, it's not it, it's not what it used to be in terms of uh, Clemson rolling through the league because now you have to deal with with Florida State. Florida State is potentially what Clemson used to be, but it's still got to go out there and prove it. I might be getting too carried away with Florida State. No, I don't know. It, I don't think you are. It, I'm well, with you on Florida State. I, it's got. It certainly has a potential. I mean, they were and, red hot to finish last season. Yeah, they, they bring a ton back. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm right there with you, sipping the Kool Aid you're serving. But I, I don't think they. I think they're deserving of the preseason hype. Uh, I was oh I, I was curious. Excuse me, Blake. I was curious that former Ohio State and Florida coach Urban Meyer said he thought Texas's roster was as good as anybody's. Now, I have a hard time agreeing with that. But even though he's a pretty knowledgeable guy about football, but knowing Urban, that might have been a calculated move. Maybe he just wanted to put a little st- a little pressure on Steve Sarkeesian. Well, they've got all the talent. He can tell his Fox audience. I, I don't know what happened to them. Well, hold on a second, John. Just a couple of weeks ago, Urban announced he's done coaching. He's he's retired. He's happily a grandfather and doing his TV thing, spending all that time with family. You're mm-hmm. telling me that you don't believe Urban when he says he's he's happy in retirement from coaching and he might be planting a seed here, trying to Look, fuel the fires to get himself back into college football? I think he's one of the game's all-time greatest coaches. And I don't see all-time greatest coaches staying away for too long if they have an opportunity like the one Texas could present. So uh, it'd be kind of easy to come back with, yeah, like I said, don't know what went wrong with the Longhorns, but it's certainly not a lack of talent. Uh, maybe they need a change at the top. And yeah. uh, here I am. Maybe a little yeah. uh, hum a little bit of the eyes of Texas are upon you. He's still pretty young to be a grandpop, too. And we know he, he likes uh-huh. busting the moves in the, in the taverns. Moving along. In the top 25, John, uh, getting to another SEC team. Tennessee Vols check in at number 12 in these rankings. We saw the heir apparent at quarterback for Tennessee, Joe Milton, in the Orange Bowl, that victory against Clemson. The defense had one of its better games of the season in that bowl victory, uh, but the defense, by and large, remains the biggest question facing Tennessee this year. We, we heard from Josh Heupel at a recent Big Orange Caravan stop said that Tennessee's defense is going to be, quote, elite this season. Mm. I don't know if he was confused, thought he was talking about his offense. I don't, I mean, I think uh, you look over the course of Josh Heupel's career, he's had some elite offenses, very, very rarely 
has he had elite defenses. Usually he's had serviceable defenses, but not elite defenses. But I mean, that was just a sort of the bold proclamation you kind of get this time of year, maybe. But what do you think about Tennessee at number 12, you know, coming off of an 11 win season? Too high, too low, just right? Well, I will say that maybe just misspoke. There's a lot of that going around, or, uh, or maybe he was, uh, maybe it was wishful thinking, or maybe plans to borrow somebody else's secondary. Those are all possibilities. Uh, Tennessee's ranking, though, um, it actually could be a little low. Uh, I could see Tennessee crash in the top 10. I'm just a huge believer in Heupel's offense. Unless you have really good defense, unless you can stop a running game with no assists from your safeties and secondary uh, and can devote all that to coverage and still have really – you better have really good safeties and you better have a really good front seven. So what we're talking about is a, a top-10 team, a top-10 kind of defense if you're going to slow down Tennessee's offense. The track record uh, flashes neon bright. I mean, it's just mediocre defenses just get steamrolled by this offense. The Vols score fast, and uh, they score uh, often. So I know they've had some changes in offense, but I have the, all three running backs back. Uh, uh, Giovanni Spragans, I guess, is a potential first-round draft pick from what the mock drafts say. So good receiving core. and. And nobody will ever question Joe Milton's arm at quarterback. Uh, that's it. Might be the best if you get if it's a distance throwing contest. I don't know. Maybe Josh Allen of Buffalo can hang with him, but that's about it. I wouldn't have a big argument with somebody who wants to put Tennessee in their top ten. I I, I probably go just right on the twelve. I, I'm still seeing images of that November lost to South Carolina running through the brain of oh, Spencer Rattler just threw another touchdown pass. It looked <laughs> and, like you, you couldn't tell if, is that a replay or is that an actual, was that a live play? It was hard that's to tell. Right. They were coming fast and, <laughs> and, and furious. And you know, last season, Tennessee, Hey, they won 11 games. They beat Alabama for the first time since 2006. They also had Hinn and hooker, you know, in the Heisman conversation all year, he was he was phenomenal. They had Jalen Hyatt win the Bolitnikoff. I think the offense is going to remain really good for Tennessee, but they ranked number one in the nation last year offensively. I think it's reasonable think to think that offense may step back just a little bit. And if the offense does step back just a little bit, I, I think that um, the defense is not going to be improved enough. I'm not buying into this idea of Tennessee having a, a quote, elite defense. So, yeah, I think t- 12 feels just right for me. Sounds like you might have them kind of on the bottom end of that that top 10, but we're not too too far off on Tennessee. I, I think the next team from the SEC is the one that we both agree. Uh, we, we sort of are, are taking umbrage with the placement, and we've already discussed LSU at number 15. You <laughs> said you'd have them in your top four. I don't know. I, I I maybe don't go all the way up to top four, but I'd say no question I'm going top six or top seven for, for LSU. And look, I know this is a team that that lost to Texas A&M last November. That was um, you know inconsistent at times in Brian Kelly's first season, but they finished the year playing a lot better than they did at the start. I mean, from really mid-October on, the Texas A&M game was the exception not the rule. They absolutely trounced Purdue in the bowl game for whatever that's worth. They beat Alabama and, 
<laughs> in overtime. They got, but, but, but it's not so much about last year. It's more what they bring back. They bring back so much offensively, including Jaden Daniels. They have maybe the best backup quarterback in the conference in Garrett Nussmeyer. What a blessing that he stuck around uh, rather than go to the portal. Ton back on offense. On defense, I think Brian Kelly continues to do a great job using the portal. He really addressed the secondary of his defense, um, an area that cost them last year. Their, their past defense cost them in losses to Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Georgia in the SEC Championship. And he's added not just bodies, but but high-caliber bodies in the back end of that, that defense. So, yeah, I, I think no question LSU should be in the top 10 at a, at a minimum. I think of, of all the SEC placements in these rankings, I agree with you. Alabama's too high for me at three. But I think I'm closer to Alabama being three. I'd have them a little bit lower, but I'm closer there than I am at LSU at 15. I'd, I'd certainly have LSU in my top 10. I'm not suggesting that the two guys who wrote that, our Gannett colleague, should be fired, but I kind of think a suspension is in order. Uh, and not that has nothing to do with my being an LSU alum. I I just think I just think this team is really good. I think Brian Kelly's a really good coach, and you pointed out how well he's worked the transfer portal. He hasn't got all that star power necessarily, like a Georgia on defense. But what he's done is add depth, and that's that's a, a real safeguard against attrition and injuries that occur occurred during the course of a 12-game season. So I just like the way he's strengthened that overall depth chart and the backups, not just the starters, but the backups. And you pointed out, here's some big-time firepower on offense. Um it doesn't have an elite running back, I don't think. That's the one offensive shortcoming. I like everything else about this offense. But the rest of the offense is so good, I think you can get by with several okay running backs. Well, we better hit the pause button, John, before we suggest any suspensions for someone for having a, a possibly bad take, or I think I might be still serving my suspension for suggesting Arkansas uh, was the second best team in the SEC West going into last season. I, I believe I, I would have just come off maybe suspension for that one. So I'm, I'm not going to put anybody in the penalty box for having a bad May take, but I but I do disagree with, with LSU being, being at 15. Well, You've never had a bad take in your career, have you? Um, I've forgotten all those. Uh, oh, yes. You know, a, yeah, I just don't dwell on them. I just move on. Once I've made the pick, it's done, and I'm off to the next pick. And I didn't I didn't remember your your glowing appraisal of Arkansas, see, or, or even Missouri the year before. I, I just set those aside and moved on. Sure you did. Well, mm-hmm. there, there's only four SEC teams in – in this top 25 from USA Today, John, they're all in the top 15. Um, at the risk of being homerish, mm-hmm. is there a team that you think should be in the top 25 that is not? I mentioned Georgia 1, Alabama 3, Tennessee 12, LSU 15. Is there someone that, that's missing there that should be ranked in the top 25? I almost hate saying this because I know I'll end up being wrong, but I think the Aggies should be in the top 25. I do too. Yeah. Uh, you know, we always say in the SEC, it's a, it's a line of scrimmage league, which has been proven wrong numerous times. Nonetheless, we still say it. It's those, those defense and off defensive fronts and offensive lines. That's what separates the SEC 
from the rest of the country. And that might have been true seven or eight years ago, but it's not now. Tennessee's is uh, well endowed at uh, skill positions offensively as anybody in the country. Uh, but I do, I look at AM, had a lot of injuries in the offensive line last season. So now these guys return and you've got depth. You've got a lot of starting experience in the offensive line, and you move over to defense where AM's just recruited a slew of uh, four and five star players. And it, it's got depth on the defensive line, too. If all those guys stay healthy, they're, they're going to be a hard team to deal with at the line of scrimmage. So, st- starting from that point, that's where I think the strength of AM lies. And if you've got the, if you're that good in both lines, to me, you're top 25 team. I agree. That, that, that is the omission for me that's not in the top 25 that I would have in. And, and yeah, we're putting ourselves at the risk of falling victim of the, the annual hype machine for Texas a <laughs> but, but this tells me that maybe the hype machine has, has overcorrected. You know, it, it, it had buyer's remorse. I, I believe a was ranked number six in the AP top 25 preseason last year. Uh, well, shame on the voters. a never should have been number six in the preseason last season. But to me, this is an overcorrection from that five and seven season to say, well, a is not going to be a top 25 team this year. No, they, um, they had a young team last year. Jimbo Fisher didn't do enough in the portal. The offense was in search of a quarterback, the whole bit, but he's brought in Bobby Petrino to run his offense. Now he's got Connor Wigman who was, took over the reins as starter at quarterback last November. And that team that was so young last year, it's got another year of age on it. We know there's talent there. I think A&M will be a top 25 team. Let's change gears, John. Leave the top 25 uh, predictions behind us and get into something that's uh, actually happened (laughs) in real time. And that was as the transfer portal window closed last week to new entries, there's still guys on the shelves you can go in there and and grab for your your roster. It's just closed to new entries. You can still add from players in the portal. And, And one of those final entries into the portal before it closed on April 30th was Peyton Thorne, the two-year Michigan State starting quarterback. Of course, you know, if Peyton Thorne would have entered the transfer portal this time a year ago, he would have been one of the hottest names in there, probably. Michigan State at that time was coming off of uh, an 11-win season. Now, I would suggest that uh, Kenneth Walker had a little bit more to do with that than what Peyton Thorne did. But nonetheless, quarterbacks from an 11-win team look pretty good. Well, uh, last year, it was it was much more of a struggle for Michigan State, and, and Peyton Thorne remained the starter. Uh, but really, throughout the course of, of two seasons, he showed some good, some bad. Uh, the biggest issue was interceptions. He threw 21 interceptions across two seasons. He has now announced he's transferring to Auburn. Auburn needed this. I mean, they whiffed on adding a transfer quarterback in the winter. Uh, Grayson McCall, the Coastal Carolina quarterback, was was linked to Auburn briefly. He wound up not transferring. And that sent Auburn into the spring with Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley, the same two quarterbacks they had last year that resulted in Auburn missing a bowl game. You just, you couldn't go into another season having that. TJ Finley's transferring now coming out of the spring. That left you with Robbie Ashford and and not much else behind him. Maybe, maybe Robbie Ashford wins this job. We know he's a talented athlete. He's not a very polished passer, but Auburn had to get another option. And I, I think Peyton Thorne 
flawed though he may be, imperfect though he may be, this is an upgrade for Auburn. And it's an upgrade even, even if you include TJ Finley in the mix. I'd rather have the competition be Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford than Robbie Ashford and, and, and TJ Finley. So I don't know that this turns Auburn into a nine-win team, but this increases what their ceiling was as compared to a couple weeks ago. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, Blake. And and let's uh, let's don't ignore the Hugh Freeze factor here. He's really good with quarterbacks. He knows how to build an offense around whatever skills his quarterback has. He won a lot of games at Ole Miss with Bo Wallace, and Bo Wallace didn't play in the NFL. Uh, so Peyton Thorne's ups and downs at Michigan State they're worth noting. But I think. I think Hugh Freeze will bring out the best in him. I like this pickup because of Hugh Freeze better than I like Florida's transfer situation where it where it landed uh, Graham Mertz of Wisconsin. Uh, I just think there's more potential um, at Auburn. And I really like Robbie Ashford as a wide receiver. Or a Wildcat so, quarterback, right? A wildcat quarterback, the yeah. guy can flat out run. So I want to get him on the field in some way, but I just think Peyton Thorne will be the quarterback. And I think Hugh Freeze, again, uh, with his offensive track record, will find a way to use Robbie Asher. So I think Auburn's in a – it's really improved itself with this move. We can fall into a trap with transfer quarterbacks because I think the immediate reaction is, well, they're bringing him in to start. and. I think a lot of times that's true. They are bringing a guy into a start. I think another other instances, a coach looks at it and says, "Hey, I need I need more depth here. I need more options. I got to bring somebody in here uh, that I can trust if I need him in a in a game. And maybe he wins the job. Maybe he he doesn't. I, I think about Alabama. I think the immediate reaction when they signed Tyler Buckner um, as a transfer from Notre Dame after the spring game was, "Well, Nick Saban's bring, bringing him in here to start. Well, maybe." Maybe if Tyler Buckner comes out in the in August and and proves he's the best man for the job, sure he'll start. But we've both said we're not convinced that this this means Jalen Milrow doesn't start. And I think we both give the slight edge to to Milrow winning that job. But Alabama threaded the needle; they added a guy without losing their top incumbent option. Whether he starts, to be determined. But I think in the case of Auburn, this is indeed. Auburn bringing in its starting quarterback. And maybe maybe Robbie Ashford can add some polish as a passer. I don't know, though. Auburn desperately needed depth after the loss of T.J. Finley. But to me, this doesn't feel like just adding another face to the competition. This feels like Peyton Thorne is going to be the best man in that competition. And Auburn just found its starting quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Blake. And when I look at Alabama's situation, uh, Wagner really hasn't played that much uh, in Notre Dame. And admittedly, his his offensive coordinator there is now his offensive coordinator at Alabama. So he certainly knows his skill set. However, Jalen Milrow, for his shortcomings as a passer and inconsistency, I see him as a better passer than Robbie Ashford. And I also see him as a runner who can just turn a game around. We've talked about it before, but uh, K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas's quarterback, that kind of guy who can turn a, a broken play from a 10-yard gain into a 70-yard gain. 
I mean, we've seen him tear through a secondary. <laughs> There's, you can't ignore that kind of potential of whatever you're doing offensively. When your quarterback can break a play like that coming out of the pocket, it's a problem for a defense. And so uh, if he can improve somewhat as a passer, and maybe he can, if they lighten his load perhaps, uh, require him to only read half the field, uh, perhaps all those things would work to his advantage. And I wonder, too, if the idea of bringing in a transfer is also uh, impetus to motivate Jalen Milrow. Like, okay, you might be better than Ty Simpson, uh, but I don't know if you're better than this transfer. Are you? Let's see it. Uh, that, that's true, John. That's uh, so true. It's like, oh, you thought you won the starting job just by beating out Ty Simpson? <laughs> well, beating out yeah. Ty Simpson's not good enough to be Alabama's starting quarterback with Nick Saban. Uh, that, that's especially when there are transfers for the taking. It's it's not just about being better than the backup quarterback. It's about putting <laughs> Alabama in position to win a championship because that is the standard at Alabama. I think long-term Auburn hopes that will be the standard with Hugh Freeze remains to be seen, whether that is reality, anyone based in, in the land of the rational this year is not talking national championships uh, or even marquee bowl game, I think for Auburn, but we're talking about a program that had hit, boy, if that wasn't rock bottom, that was close to it last year under Brian Harson went five and seven had on on the heels of a six and seven season the year before that that finished in a spiral. We we know the story. We don't have to rehash it all. Um point being, John, it's a new day for Auburn. How much brighter can this be in year one for Hugh Freeze? Now that we know Peyton Thorne is is here, is this a type of team that you could see, say, winning eight games? Or is this the type of team that's still going to be fighting and clawing to get to uh, you know a six and six Birmingham Bowl type of season. Well, I'm not sure on the record, but I thought Pe- I didn't think Hugh Freeze was a good hire. I thought he was a great hire. I think he really, and and I realize that coach fits this situation. That's often overstated, or a coach doesn't fit this situation. But I really think he's a good fit for Auburn, and I think. Uh, he will rally the fan base and rally the NIL money. And I think you'll see Auburn recruiting really well. And I also think that when Auburn, Alabama tee off in the Iron Bowl, Alabama won't have an easy game. It's going to be a tough game as it so often is, regardless of the disparity in talent. He's already beaten. Hugh Freeze beat Nick Saban twice at Ole Miss. He knows how to beat him. And, uh, so I think I think Auburn fans, for the first time in a while, have a real reason to be optimistic. And just curious, I thought you did a great job chronicling the career, the SEC career of Brian Hartson. So I assume you're still keeping up with him. What's he doing now, Blake? Last I heard, he was in attendance at the Oregon uh, spring game. John, I don't. Mm. I, Oregon fans might feel a little concerned uh, at the presence of uh, Brian Harson being in attendance for the Oregon spring game. Uh, if I was Bo Nix, I'd say, uh, get, get, out, get out of here, get, fella. Get this guy out of here. <laughs> yeah, how many what? times do I got to get away from Brian Harson before he's showing Can you imagine head? the look on Bo Nix? He 
He didn't know he was there. And he just happened to glance over the sidelines. He's going, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? He's followed me here. It's yeah. A nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I guess you're not going to turn away a fan, but I wouldn't let Brian Harson get too close to what <laughs> what uh, could be one of the best programs in the Pac-12 this year. And, and Bo Nix, who, you know, would like to finish his career with a bang. He's already on the upswing at Oregon. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't let Brian Harson get too close to, to that thing. John, I understand you don't want to be pinned down on a, a record with mm-hmm. Auburn. But let me put you it know, to you like you noticed that? I noticed I noticed that yeah. dodge. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And then you redirected um <clears throat> yeah. had me play the hits on Brian Harson. Sure. Uh, but I'm not going to let you skate past that easy. I, I that's fine. Don't give me a number. Uh, that, that's fine. But we've mentioned Florida with its inbound transfer, not inbound. He's been here for a while now, Graham Mertz. He's very likely going to be the starter for Florida, the former Wisconsin Badger whose career was uh to Midland, I guess, at Wisconsin might be kind of a a kind way of putting it. Um, But look, Florida's got one of the bleakest quarterback situations in the SEC. It would be even bleaker without Graham Mertz. I think that's that's fair to say. They're better off with him than without him. And now Auburn has its transfer quarterback in in Peyton Thorne. You said you would prefer Thorne to Mertz. Fair enough. I think that's a a pretty reasonable opinion. But head-to-head, Auburn versus Florida. These are two teams that are not generating a ton of buzz. They're normally name brand programs in the SEC. We've seen. They're the types of programs that can win national championships when they're humming at their best in the SEC. They are not doing that now. If these two programs were to meet head-to-head on a neutral site this year, who would you take to win that game? Well, let's call it a bowl game. Let's don't just say neutral site. At the end of the year, regardless of the record, let those two teams play in a bowl game. I don't think the Bulls allow that, but that's fine. Living in your, sometimes we let you put on uh, the commissioner czar hat. So you've got the czar hat placed on your noggin. So we'll continue with this. All right, they're playing in a postseason bowl to culminate the season. Who you got? I got Auburn. I got Hugh Freeze over Billy Napier. Uh, Billy Napier will have all the details in place, but uh, Hugh Freeze will get the touchdowns. What's your, I guess, uh, read on the transfer quarterback situation right now, John, because the reaction when a program gets a transfer is always the grass is going to be greener, right? Uh, I think that's the natural reaction from fans, but a lot of times that's the reaction from media. And I think even guys on the coaching staff think, Hey, if we could just get this transfer in here, all of a sudden we're going to be gangbusters. My thought is if you can add a transfer without hurting your situation or, or, if you can add an A-list transfer, sure, do it. Even if you're adding a B-list transfer, if you're not at risk of losing your top in-house option or you, or you think you can pull it off, sure, do it. My caveat with the transfers, though, don't expect them to be something they've proven already that they're not. Don't expect them to suddenly reinvent themselves at their new school. Now, we have seen it happen. There's exceptions. Hinnon Hooker who was just a fine starting quarterback for Virginia Tech. He wasn't awful. He was fine, but he was at risk of losing his starting job at Virginia Tech. He transfers into Tennessee, and it was the perfect marriage of player, coach, and system, and he flourished with the balls. finished fifth in the Heisman voting last season. But that is more the exception to the rule. It's not to say transfers to the SEC and they're a bust, but normally they continue to be some version 
of what they were before they came into this conference. And so if you're Auburn, I think that's fine. If Peyton Thorne can continue to be the Peyton Thorne that he was at Michigan State, that's still an upgrade over what Auburn had. My word of caution is just when people start expecting that these transfers are suddenly going to arrive in the nation's toughest conference and that some SEC coach is going to wave a magic wand over them and all of a sudden they're, uh, they're Caleb Williams. No, Caleb Williams was was good before he transferred to Southern Cal. He was he was an, an emerging star at, at Oklahoma, and it's no surprise he continued to be a star at Southern Cal. What do you think about I mean, what, what do you sort of expect when a quarterback transfers into the SEC? Well, I, I think a quarterback's shortcomings will be magnified when he transfers to the SEC. You pointed it out. Uh, don't expect a player to become a completely different quarterback just because he's changing schools. And if he's going to be different, when he goes to the SEC, he's more apt to be different in a bad way. That's why I don't like the like the Graham Mertz thing at Florida, but I understand Florida's situation. It didn't have, really have a choice. And the same way with Auburn, it really didn't have a choice. It needed an upgrade, it, and I think it has one. But to to predict that somebody who didn't play well in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, wherever, comes to the SEC and suddenly emerges as a superstar, that's not likely. Uh, I'm curious about Kentucky with Devin Leary. He was hurt last season, missed half the year at uh, NC State, but the year before put up big numbers. Uh, The kind of numbers that, you know, maybe Alabama would have knocked on his door after yeah, and, the 21 season. And that's an example of someone who I don't think you have to expect him to reinvent himself. That's a case where the grass could be greener at Kentucky if Devin Leary just becomes what he was in 2021. He doesn't have to, you know, all of a sudden become a, a much better player than he's ever been. He just has to regain his his old form. So I do think, you know, lofty expectations for Devin Leary are reasonable because we've seen him be really one of the better quarterbacks in the country. You look at 2021, it's a guy with 35 touchdowns and five interceptions. He was someone that if you, you go back a year ago, they were talking about big things in, in terms of possible NFL draft potential for Leary. Didn't happen, got hurt. And and now he's rebooted at, at Kentucky. But, but that is, I think a, a fair example of someone where you don't have to think he's all of a sudden going to become uh, Caleb Williams. That's not what Kentucky needs Devin Leary to be. They just need him to be Devin Leary from, from two years ago. Well, yeah, and that's clearly an upgrade for Kentucky quarterback. Um, and I really wonder, uh, with Devin Leary, Alabama wasn't certain about its quarterback situation. Why wouldn't it pursue Devin Leary? I, I mean, if you're Devin Leary, where would you rather be the quarterback at Kentucky or Alabama? Um, and, and I don't, I don't know that Alabama had any interest in him. Uh, maybe he didn't, his skill set didn't quite fit that offense, but I still think he's a significant upgrade based on his career over what Alabama has based on the career of his current group of quarterbacks. Um, I go, I go the other way and I had a pretty idea who Bo Nix was as a quarterback when he was at, at Auburn. He could make big plays. He could make big plays in big games. He could come through in the clutch. But consistency was lacking. And the big plays sometimes went the other way. 
but he had a tremendous season. He was in the Heisman conversation for a while there at Oregon. And so he's the guy. See, I like that move better. Somebody that started three years in the SEC and showed flashes, if not consistency, showed flashes that he can be a big-time quarterback. Going out to the Pac-12, that was a great move for Bo Nix and a great move for Oregon. Yeah, and a terrible move for Brian Harson. Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football Unfiltered.